Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise. We bring you interviews with professionals in the movement and exercise field. The goal is to provide information for other professionals and also amateur movement aficionados, people who understand that movement is part of what makes life complete. Some of the people we interview you will have heard of. They're well known in and outside of the movement and exercise profession. Others you may not have heard of, but they have a great deal of knowledge to share. Many people doing the best work spend their time working with people, not working on their social media presence. We're going to give you a chance to learn from some of these talented and knowledgeable individuals, and we're going to learn along with you. Moving to Live podcasts are going to be short. Each interview will be long enough to impart usable information, but short enough to be able to be consumed in a single bout, during your workout, commute, or even during dinner prep. We all like long-form interviews, but time is valuable. Moving to Live wants to give you the option to learn and be entertained without needing to commit 60 minutes at a time for an interview. Give Moving to Live a listen. Check out our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, which highlights people, businesses, events, and activities in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area that make movement a priority. Moving to Live would love to hear from you. Want to connect with us or have an idea for somebody you think we ought to interview? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com, or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both underscore mov2liv. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. Welcome back to Moving to Live. As you heard in the intro, we are a podcast for amateur aficionados and movement and exercise professionals. We are talking to Menachem Brody of Human Vortex Training today. This is our second interview with him. We had part one two weeks ago. Menachem is based in Tel Aviv. He works with athletes around the world, including Pittsburgh, France, Belgium, and Israel. He's been coaching since 2000, and he gave us an interesting story in part one of the interview about how he ended up going from growing up in Squirrel Hill, Pennsylvania, which is a neighborhood in Pittsburgh to being in Tel Aviv, doing some work with basketball players, doing some work with endurance coaches, and probably completely different from what he intended that he was going to do maybe when he was a junior and senior in high school. As he told us in part one, his initial career goals were to be a basketball coach. So Menachem, thank you for joining Moving to Live for part two. Thank you for having me again, Ben. So you gave a really good background in part one of the interview about how you ended up in Tel Aviv. If you meet somebody on the street, maybe you're wearing a human vortex uh, coaching t-shirt, or maybe since social media is big and all of us post and get a lot of our knowledge from a variety of internet modes, and we have to be user beware, somebody says, well, what exactly do you do? What is human vortex uh, coaching and why should I listen to you? So what do you, what is your current job right now or what do you describe that you do right now? So if I'm walking down the street and a shirt or maybe another athlete references them, uh, refers them rather, uh, pretty much I am a peak performance and return from injury professional uh, who's been working in health and fitness in a variety of settings over the last uh, 15 years. And uh, over the last 10, uh, more than 10 years at this point, I've been working in endurance sports. So what I look at is the human mind, the human body, and the physiology that you need to succeed in your specific sport and helping the athlete train from a true 360-degree approach, not just physically, but also mentally and uh, tactically for their sport. Uh, 
And when you say endurance sports, do you work with uh, athletes of all endurance venues, uh, cyclists, triathletes, runners, or do you focus on specific sports? So I work with athletes from all three. Uh, if you visit my website, you'll notice that it's very cycling heavy. Uh, it was just a matter of redoing the website. So the first, my largest contingency is by far cycling and triathlon. Uh, it's a mix of the two. And because cycling is a sport of triathlon, we decided, uh, my business manager and I, that we would go that direction and then kind of branch out from there. So all of the content right now is really focused on cycling. Uh, but we are starting to get into nutrition. Uh, I hold a precision nutrition uh, level one coaching certification. I like the certification. I have uh, four, uh, no, five different sports dietitians I actually refer out to. So the certification was just more for my interest. Uh, it helps bring athletes a little bit more uh, calm of mind to under to know that I have a good understanding. But really, it's uh, knowing the limits as far as my abilities. Um, so with the endurance, it actually bridges out as far as uh, mountaineering as well. I've worked with uh, three different mountaineers, including uh, one of them attempted Denali West Rib. Uh, she was um, helicoptered out. She broke her ankle, unfortunately. Uh, they were going to summit, and she uh, just caught her, um, I, I think it's an ice cleat on a shear on the way down, just caught wrong, and she broke her ankle in three places. Um and a number of other Kilimanjaro, K2, a number of other uh, climbers. So the endurance sports goes anything that is beyond uh, two hours in event length. Um, I really enjoy coaching the athlete for those events. And primarily with your coaching, are you face-to-face -face or online combination? What percentage would you say it breaks down to? Uh, at this point, it's about 70% online and 30% in person uh, overall. Uh, although the in-person athletes, I generally carry a very quote unquote light load uh, under under 15 athletes almost all the time. Right now, I think I'm at eight. Uh, I prefer to have fewer athletes with more impact and more um, contact hours than to have a huge roster of athletes um, in person. Whereas online, it's a little bit more manageable. Uh, the expectations are a little bit different and it also makes it so that the um, the coaching relationship takes on a more personalized and intimate, how would I put it? It's a very different relationship than in person, if that makes sense. Kind of like a pen pal, except uh, we have video, we have Skype, we have a lot more assessment tools. And I know we were chatting before starting recording, and there is always a struggle between making sure that you have enough athletes so that you can support yourself, which is obviously important, and not having too many athletes where you cannot offer a quality product. So you've been doing this for, and the endurance aspect, as you said, for around 10 years, plus or minus, a um, couple of months, it'll definitely be over 10 years. What would you say is like the cutoff point when you reach that number of athletes? It's like, okay, this is the maximum number of athletes that I think I can handle with an online coaching and still give a quality product. Uh, so online coaching clients, I cap at 15. Uh, I did, I, I had, when I first started as a young coach, I, I was trying to follow who I thought were other good coaches. Most of them were, were triathletes uh, and they were carrying 25. Very good money. And what I realized is, is that even with the systems in place 10 years ago, um, even with those systems in place, the quality of the coaching is not going to be that great. You can write 25 training plans. You know, you break it up to what, 8, 16, 24. So uh, let's say six a week, 6, 8, 12. Yeah, uh, 6, 12, 24, six a week. 
that you can write, but really, are you going to have enough contact time to really know what's going on with that athlete? Um, so I cap it at 15 at all times. I actually try and stay lower than that. Um, and it, it's not easy. And that's where uh, getting into coaching education, I've done a, a large number of presentations for USA Cycling uh, over the last uh, four years. And in 2017, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was the highest ever attended webinar. And it was a series for USA Cycling, which was uh, functional strength training for cyclists, uh, for coaches only. So it was their highest ever attended uh, webinar, again, if I'm not mistaken. So that's kind of how I'm looking to branch out and stabilize the income is by spreading the value, giving more value and spreading knowledge, good knowledge. So not just saying, here's strength training for cyclists, squats and lunges and plyometrics. Fantastic. Don't forget to do those planks. Instead, giving the background, why do we need to look beyond these exercises or why are these exercises good, but not for everybody? Um, so as opposed to a lot of other coaches out there, we know we spoke about a, a to be unnamed here uh, uh, coaching uh, um, program, which their coaches are worked so hard. Uh, they have, you know, 35, 40 athletes is low and you, ju you just there's no quality. While some people are OK with that, you know, some people Planet Fitness is the best gym in the world and that's OK. For other people, the type of uh, athletes that I tend to attract, they're looking for a professional coach who has a good knowledge base, knows what they know, knows what they don't know, and is not afraid to refer out or to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not the right coach for you. Let's have you talk to so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so and see if maybe that's a better fit. So that's kind of the athletes that I'm working with and, and how it, it, it builds together, if you will. So pretty much 15 is the cap, and these are individuals who are getting a – not a cookie cutter program, but a specialized program specific to them based on their age, their race experience, their goals, the time of their life, et cetera. Correct. 100% personalized. I have uh, different levels. So on the website, I think uh, we're at 119 for a custom training plan. Those are the athletes who are, are they tend to be uh, very highly driven, highly motivated. They don't need somebody to hold them accountable, but they, they want and know that they need a structured training plan written by somebody else to make sure, one, their weak areas are covered, and two, they, they don't have any blind spots. Um, so I have a couple athletes at that level, all the way up to the $475 a month for uh, cycling coaching, where we constantly text, Skype, message back and forth, um, so they know that I'm accessible if they have a change. Uh, these tend to be uh, working moms are the number one, actually. Number two are lawyers and physicians. Those are the top two for the gold uh, level. They're people who have busy lives. Their training is either work or family comes right above that. And they want to have a coach accessible to make sure that they're making the right change at the right time and to also talk through problems and obstacles that come up. I think you've given a pretty good description of who you you work with best, highly motivated people who understand they need a, an expert with, uh, and they have some specific goals. The other opposite end of the spectrum, how do you know when somebody contacts you and you have the initial interview and it sounds good, they tell you they want to hire you, but you know that you're not a good fit for them and maybe somebody else is a better fit? What is the sort of athlete that just isn't the best fit for you to give them optimal results? I don't know that, there, that there's a, a type, to be honest. Uh, I did a phone interview. I always do phone interviews. Uh, some people are a little bit put off by that. Um, someone uh, submitted the uh, new athlete form online, and I said, okay, great. Let's uh, do a Skype or a phone call next week. Which time slot is best for you? Uh, we set it up. And just through the hat, 
feeling that it just it we didn't have chemistry and that doesn't mean that all calls have chemistry um but there was just a disconnect between what what they were saying what they're and what they were looking for so it was kind of like someone had suggested that hey you should be coached uh you're very good you're very talented um and this particular individual uh through the conversation it became very apparent to me uh, I, I use a book, uh, if there's other professionals out there or you're very interested, uh, it's called Motivational Interviewing. Fantastic book. It's very thick. It's a, a professional book. Psychologists, if I'm not mistaken, there's a couple universities that it's actually part of the master's level program, I believe, or PhD level. So, you know, it's, it's a, a thick read, but it allows you, you know, the, the title's a little bit misleading. Essentially what it is, is it's helping you through your your language that you're choosing, the specific words, the the tone that you're using and listening to how the other person is responding. Um, I do like Skype much more for these interviews because I can see body language, uh, although usually it's a talking head. Um, but I, I really listen in for verbal cues, uh, drops and peaks in their um, words. How are they expressing themselves? What words are they using? What words are they not using? What, what are they trying to say that they're not saying that's between the lines? Uh, and what's their body language saying? So from that, that's how I kind of select or, or figure out who the athletes that should work with me are. And there are some athletes where, um, you know, I had an assistant, uh, not assistant coach, I had um, an intern for a little bit and they were there for a couple interviews in person. And they said, I don't think it's a good fit. And I said, actually, I think this is a great fit because this person doesn't have the confidence or this or that. And most of the, you know, once I was wrong, which is okay, uh, but it's just a feel between the athlete um, to make sure that we're understanding each other. I think that's, that would be the baseline, but there's so many other variables beyond that. And that comes from just interviewing people uh, and listening to how they're talking and, and what they're saying, and more importantly, what they're not saying. We all know that people hire coaches and things change in life. And sometimes they decide that they're not going to continue the coaching or they may fire the coach because they decide that the coach isn't a good fit. But what a lot of people forget is it's a two-way street. And sometimes a client that you've been working with isn't the right client or something changes or you realize, you know, it's time for me not to work with this client because it's a negative impact on me. How do you go about uh, determining that? And then tips for coaches who are listening to maybe not burn a bridge, but explain to the client that, you know, this is not the right situation for both of us right now. It may be in the future, but right now we probably need to go our separate ways. That's a really great question. Um, the first thing is, is that as a coach, we need to remember that our role is we're there for the, the athlete or the client. Granted, they're paying us. There are clear lines or there should be clear lines in you and your understanding of coaching and practice. Uh, the obvious should be, you know, uh, sexual boundaries. Unfortunately, we have in the in the uh, media the last couple of weeks of someone who abused that and, and crossed that boundary numerous times with numerous athletes. Um, so that should be very clear. And I think uh, the U.S. Olympic Committee has been doing a nice job with their safe sport in spreading good, solid information for that uh, and raising awareness. Uh, the second is uh, you need to begin to understand and really do a deep dive. And this is where I think that all coaches should have a coach themselves as well as mentors, um, not just in coaching, but also in other aspects of, of business and life in that I've only ever fired two clients in my life, two, that's it. In, in my whole 15, oh, wow, so <laughs> longer than 15 years of coaching. Uh, just a little bit longer. Um, 
I've only ever fired two. And the first thing that you have to do is think about, okay, this is uncomfortable for me, but is it uncomfortable for me because this isn't politically correct, because it's inappropriate, or because it's challenging me as a professional? So that's the first thing, is, is we're there to help serve the client uh, and the athlete for their needs. When it gets to the point, and the two clients that I've, I've ever uh, fired, I'm sorry, there are three, a third one just came up. So three were where they were uh, neglecting correction. They were abusing the coach-athlete relationship to try and work out other issues in their life. And as coaches, we need to know where our lines are. Uh, where we are professionally, where the gray lines are. So each of these three were trying to use me as a psychologist and to help resolve other life issues. And that's inappropriate. So I have a, either it's a one giant strike, like you're clearly over the line and this is clearly not okay. I express it to you and you just don't see it, uh, which has not been the case for any of the three. Uh, and then two more strikes. If you still don't explain it, the third one is, I'm sorry, but this relationship is not where it needs to be. As a coach, I can't serve your needs because, uh, Life is getting in the way, and I think that you have uh, my relationship and my role in your life is a little bit confused, and the best thing for me to do right now is to take a three-month break. Um, during the three-month break, uh, for the next week, if you need any of your training files and anything of that nature, I will send them over to you. Uh, everything remains confidential uh, unless you explicitly give me in writing with your signature, um, not an email, uh, unless you want them to be released uh, to a medical professional or another coach, uh, nothing will be talked about. But for the next three months, please know that um, I am not going to be able to serve as a role, any other role in your life. The best thing for us right now is space. Um, so those are our three people. And each of them, it was it was the line being crossed of uh, trying to put me in what into a or put a coach to where they did not belong. On the other hand, uh, I have helped numerous other athletes to move on to the correct coach and it is not easy it is exceptionally exceptionally difficult emotionally uh and as a friend and that's really where i think coaches need to have we have this thing i'm working on a presentation for a, a platform right now and to help uh, educate coaches and I spoke to the education manager and they and I was surprised. They said a lot of coaches don't want to share their knowledge. They, they don't want to share their knowledge. It's their secret. They have to keep it. It's their, their kingdom and they, they can't share it because then their secret's out. As coaches, again, our role is to make sure we're there to help the client and athlete progress as a human being and as an athlete. And don't forget that first part. That is very important. Sport teaches us a ton of life skills and goals, including failure is part of your way to success. But doing it smart, doing it so you don't get hurt or hopefully uh, not killed, uh, which thankfully has not happened and hopefully will not for any coaches for a very long time. When it's when you realize that your athlete is not in sync with your training method, the first thing to do is grow as a coach. Go out and read. I've read Jeff Galloway's method. I've read um, uh, Joe Friel's method of running. I've read uh, Chi running. I've read Poe's method. I've read all – the, the five or six major methods of running because athletes have come to me and said, this is what I'm doing. This is what works for me. Cool. Let me learn about it. We'll continue with it for right now. If I can't do it properly, let's sit down and have a conversation so we can meet where you are and let me grow as a coach to see why this is working for you. And maybe we'll see that you can grow as an athlete and try something new instead of no pose method is a piece of trash. You can only do chi running D just in, as, as an example. The first thing is, the athlete is challenging you to grow your knowledge and your skill set as a coach. Well, Can well, you meet 
We'll break in right here and say neither uh, human vortex coaching or moving to live is saying that chi running or pose running is good or bad. That was just an example. Correct. Just purely an example of, of two of the common ones. There's also Galloway. It's just things that, that people are familiar with. Yes, uh, I, I think both methods or all the methods are fantastic for the right athlete at the right time. It's a matter of you growing as a coach. Um, so thank you for making that. I don't, that would be awful. Bad. No, it, he didn't. It did not. <laughs> didn't it, it did not come out as that. But I know that some people listen and they only listen to what comes out, and they don't listen to the thirty seconds prior. So I just wanted to make that clear. Thank you. It, that is much appreciated and much needed. Um, so I, I've had a number of athletes that have challenged me to grow as a coach, and and every single time I've grown immensely because I've met it with enthusiasm. You tried this new running. You tried this new Newton shoe. Fantastic. Let's find out why it feels good for you. Well, your hamstrings are really tight and it forces you to shorten your stride. Fantastic. Let's run with it. Instead of saying no, Newtons or again, this is not saying good or bad for others. If you can't grow, go ahead. No, you're, you're going right along the same, the correct path. If you can't grow as a coach, I'm sorry. In, in my professional opinion, let your athletes know that this is how it is from the beginning and reinforce that as you go along and say, this is the way that I coach. This is how I know how to coach. This is how I get athletes there. Doc Sutton is a fantastic example. He had a post a couple weeks ago. His posts are fantastically timed, man. I must say that the universe aligns where I'm thinking about, you know, what should I change my approach in a coach? It's really working well, but some other coach is doing X and Y. His, his uh, post a couple weeks ago back in uh, December, I believe, was he has athletes showing up to his um, training camp saying, we did almost the exact same workout or the exact same workout five years ago when I was an athlete beginning. Coach, why don't you change it? Because it works. So sometimes you don't mess with something because it's working. But he also notes in another of his blog posts that you have to be willing and open to try new things and look at things that go against what you're doing. Because maybe what you're doing may work really well, but if you go against it, it works even better. Um, so it's knowing what you know, knowing what you don't know, and being willing to dabble. Uh, of course, letting the athletes know ahead of the athletes, uh, the number of athletes that I've helped move on to other coaches, they're very emotional breakups. Uh, two of them were much more emotional than a breakup with a uh, former significant other, to be honest, because the relationship was that strong. And I think that's really important for coaches to understand. We're not just there to give a training plan. If you want to do that, cool. I, I all, all blessings to you. But that's not what all athletes are looking for or need. So know what you're good at, know what you want to grow in, know where maybe you're strongest, but also have a referral network of other coaches who you can refer athletes to that either come to you and you realize through uh, the interview, they're not the right fit for you. And don't, you know, at the beginning of your, your coaching career, I'm not saying, oh, well, I'm not a good swimming coach. So you should go to this person. Don't, you have to try stuff. But it's very clear sometimes that you're just not the right athlete. So the one that comes to mind for me was a CrossFit athlete. Uh, excellent, excellent relationship. But for six and a half months, including uh, through a key event, uh, uh, her target event, um, just argued and fought, even though the results were there. And every time we sat down to talk about the training plan and how's it going, I know that it's working on paper, but I just mentally, I can't wrap my head around. Okay, let's try something else. Try something else. Again, the, the results are there. They're fantastic, but I just don't like the training approach. Okay, well, let's go to your key event. Uh, and sometimes at the key event you or other events, you may see they're talking to another coach and you shouldn't be all protect. Don't talk to them. 
your athlete is your athlete. It's kind of like your kid. You know, a coach is there to help. Another coach may see something and mean well and help your coach. But when you notice that the athlete is going to someone else or two other people after they've gone to you and you've had your your this is what we're doing for the next event. This is how we're going to do it. And they're going to someone else. That's a big red flag. Hey, dude, uh, your athlete is not 100% bought in and that's a problem. So with this particular athlete, I noticed that. So uh, we went for another four months after the event. And for the, the three months after, I said, look, so-and-so, it's very clear that the methodology I have is physically working for you. It's giving you the sport results you're requiring and you need in order to progress. It's also decreased your injuries and kept you training more consistently. However, I noticed that you're not buying into the system. No, 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 I'm buying in. It's fine. It's just I don't like or I don't understand. So the second month, I said, look, we're going to try this for two more months. If we're still having issues with this where you're not 100% bought in or you don't like the system, I'm going to help you actively find a new coach because your athletic career is far more important than this coaching relationship. We can be friends again. We can uh, hang out. I can still come and cheer for you. You can come, still ask me questions, but you need to have a coach and a system you 100% buy into. The next month, same thing again. So finally I said, look, this is the last four weeks. There are three people that I strongly recommend that you talk to and interview to be your coach. Uh, if you need longer than a month, that's fine, but uh, I'll give you programming for the next four weeks. Uh, this is the coach number one who I recommend to. The reason is that I recommend you to go see this person is because you, at before X event, talk to them. Before X event, talk to them again. Uh, you keep mentioning them in our conversations. You keep mentioning them this. I see that you're hanging out with them. So it sounds like that this is a good fit. And also from a professional standpoint, their knowledge base is fantastic. Um, so the athlete did wind up moving on. But again, it was a breakup. I didn't talk to the athlete for three months. Um, I texted, called, and it's just that's what their space was. Uh, another athlete was a, a cyclist where I actually brought it up to them. They were very happy with the relationship. And I just said to him, dude, you're 24. We have one shot at this pro cycling thing. And I don't have the networking at this point in my career to help you get there. At this point, you know, this will be the last year of us working together. If you want to continue working for me, that's great. But you have said that your goal is to be a professional cyclist, a pro cyclist. And I physiologically and mentally, I can get you there, but I don't have the network. And that's what you need at this point, because you have the skills, you have the power. I'm not the right person. And we went through the, the uh, season and it just so happened that at one of the races in June, he actually took a ride back from one of the races and met another coach. Um, he didn't bring it up. You know, he did a lot of thinking. He talked with his then girlfriend, who's now his wife. Um, and then in September, he said, look, uh, we need to meet for coffee. And we sat and talked. We did our normal review. And he said, look, this this really isn't easy for me to, to bring up. But uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the year how you don't have the network for me to grow. Uh, I actually met the coach that I'd like to move on to next. And it was literally like, and the emotions are coming up now. If you could see me, like my eyes are watering a little bit. Um, we're still really good friends. He actually just uh, messaged me on Instagram. We just bought a, a, a coffee machine, an espresso machine for home. Uh, as a coach, you need to know when to let go and to help them move on. And that was exactly what I did. I could see that he was really mentally struggling with it. I made that transition as easy as possible. Here's the coach's name. Give me his email address. Let me ask him if he needs your power files or what we've been doing. Uh, contacted him. Uh, he was very surprised. He's like, uh, yeah, I started with your athlete about three weeks ago. I was like, I, I know. I'm offering. What would you like from me? Why would you give me anything? <laughs> uh, and that's a problem. I think as coaches, we, we need to, instead of be suspicious, uh, we need to build a network because we're there to serve the athlete, to help them. That's our job. That's our role. 
Um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. When the student is really ready, the teacher will disappear. Uh, and I, th I think that's a saying uh, from uh, ancient China, uh, Chinese proverb, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, the, the number of coaches that I've contacted when, when I helped athletes move on to them, I have been met by the FU slamming the phone <laughs> off uh, to utter shock of what? <laughs> Uh, why would you call me? Are, are you angry? No, I, I want to give you as much information as possible. What can I tell you? Uh, and they really don't have any clue what to do. Um, and I think that as, as a professional, especially with online coaching being so prevalent these days, we really need to start to see ourselves as guides as opposed to uh, making our own little kingdoms. Um, I've had numerous mentors tell me, you know, I've been very nervous making this this program for the online platform, but numerous mentors have told me, Mark, uh, Ramit, uh, um, uh, I can't remember his name, Josh, uh, Jason, all these mentors have said, give as much value as you can, um, but don't give away what, what really makes you a special coach. And I can't do that because it, it is giving the value as much as possible. So making this program is kind of, you know, throwing my stuff out in the wind. Um, but as uh, Les Brown says, uh, if, if you will be what you are to be and put your greatness out there, greatness will come to you. And I don't mean that as in money and, and accolades and this and that. It's helping as many people as possible for me. That's that's the accolade and the greatness that I'm looking for. I want to look back in, in 25, 30 years, uh, kind of like uh, I think – I don't know him personally, but from his writings, I think Doc Sutton does the same. And you look back at your athletes and just kind of see them as kids, having grown up and proud of what they've accomplished in sport and out. Uh, my goal is to help 4 million people in my lifetime. Uh, and I think that that now is the point to even talking to you and you, the listener as well. This is how we're great coaches. Stop looking at how can I keep this person in my bank account and my bankroll and keep them in my little life. If an athlete brings something another coach is doing to you, first of all, assess it from where is this athlete coming from? And, and I've often found that the athletes that are looking for the, the best price are not the people that I serve best because they just want cheap. They want a training plan, cheap, done. That's it. The people that work well with me and with the coaches that I, I have networked with are people that are looking for a specific value out of that. And that doesn't mean value for dollars. It means they want a certain knowledge base and something beyond coaching. And that's the type of athletes uh, and professionals I've networked with are people who are see people as more than athletes. They see ath the athlete identify. It's a large part of who this person is, but there's so many other ways we can use sport to positively impact this person. As a professional, when you start doing that and you start looking at this athlete is important to me because it's a person that I have a huge impact on their life and where they're going to go. Are they going to stay active for the rest of their life? Are they moving to live or are they just moving to get to point A to point B and then they're done with it? Understand that and understand your role in their life. That makes the athlete coach relationship much easier. So uh, we hear all the time that, uh, especially nowadays, this basketball player transferred from Pitt to such and such, but they were under contract and there's this and that. We're here to serve the athletes and make sure they get what they need. And sometimes athletes don't have a clue. And that's oftentimes when you're dealing with scholarship athletes, unfortunately, that's the case. They don't really know what they want, but they know that they want to be out on the floor playing because their head's been filled with this and that. They, they don't understand the development side of things. And with triathlon, I think that, you know, with the, um, the new uh, push, uh, I forget what it's called. Hold on, let me pull it up. With the new push by USA Triathlon, which is – uh, my time to try, which uh, USA Triathlon and Ironman are pushing for 100,000 new people in triathlon by 2020. Um, 
you know, this gives us coaches, endurance coaches, uh, triathlon, running, cycling. Yes, all three of us, even if we're not triathlete coaches or triathlon coaches, it gives us a huge opportunity to teach people that moving is a lifestyle. It's not just to knock something off your bucket list. If you complete your Ironman in 17 hours, just before the cutout, 16, 59, 59, and you have knee pain for the next 15 years of your life, and then you have to have knee replacement, is that really doing the athlete a favor or have we done them a disservice? So keeping that in mind is kind of the idea. But having an athlete move into your, your world and out of is a natural progression as, as a, a, a good coach. And it's not a bad thing. We always learn things from our athletes. The athletes that I learn the most from are the ones that are in and out in three months because I realized I could have had a bigger impact on the three months I had them for had I done X and Y. And then you integrate that and learn and grow as a coach and make yourself better and more valuable to the people that come on later on. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how I deal with it is, is it's a natural progression. That's how the world works and it's hard, but you have to do the right thing for that person at that time. And sometimes you're just not the right person and it's okay. And it's okay to struggle with it. And it's okay to be, to have your feeling hurt, but you also need to be professional about it. If someone says F you, you're an F an idiot. Clearly you've violated one of their core uh, principles that really matters to them. So let them cool off. Let them go, but follow up with them and say, what did I do? Please tell me what I did wrong because clearly I hurt you in some way. I'd like to know what that is. So if I can't correct it, I can at least not make that mistake again. And some people won't do it and that's their right and that's okay. Uh, but most people will be very respective of that and say, wow, I can't believe you're coming back and asking the, the gall you have. And then they're like, well, actually, uh, this is what you did. And you say, I'm really sorry. I really mean that I'm sorry. And I, if you need anything, uh, to find the right coach, I'm more than happy. That hasn't happened to me, but one of my mentors made that point. Um, you need to come from a good place. And some people don't see that. They just want to be angry and upset with the world. Fine. Uh, don't bother with them. Um, but you really need to have the athlete's best interest. So that's why having a network of coaches is important. Um, I've had athletes approach me about online coaching and through the interview, I'm like, you need somebody in person to teach you skills. And I am not the person to do that. Here, let me, let me get you, get back to you. And again, they're very shocked that I get back to them 48, 72 hours later with an email of four coaches that are in their region that can help them. Like, why would you refer me out to somebody else? I came to you. I want to pay you. I'm not the right person. This is who you need to go to. If you go to them, if you still feel you want to work with me, fine. And none of the athletes have come back to me after that, which I'm very happy about. It means that I found the right resource. They're out doing their sport, doing what they need to, happy, healthy, and progressing. And that's what it's all about. That's what it should be all about. The dollars will come. You do the right thing. You will live a happy life. Uh, you will you will be able to, to die in peace when your time comes at 120 years. Uh, and you'll be able to, to say that you did the right thing by the athlete. And when you're a good person, you put good stuff out. Crap happens to you. You'll have days where you're wondering, how am I going to make ends meet? And, and if you're a good person, it, it always happens. It does. And sometimes we have to suffer a little bit and, and have the crap scared out of us uh, that we're not going to make it happen. But you put good out, you get great back. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's that simple. Uh, and the days that I guess it, I just look back through my, my coaching journal journals and, and it's incredible to see some of the lessons I've learned and how much greatness has come back from small, trivial, somewhat trivial things of just giving someone a compliment on race day. And then they come back with X, Y, and Z three years later. Like how the heck do you remember that? Well, you were the one person on that race day that was kind to me. You know, it, that's, 
and to me, that's the essence of coaching, uh, if you will. Uh, I know I kind of ran away with that, but uh, we've been talking to Menachem Brody. He is the owner of Human Vortex Training, based in Tel Aviv. This was part two of a two-part interview with Menachem. And I think he exceeded my expectations and that he explained what he sees the role of an online coach. Obviously, he's not saying that's the only way, but I think he gave a really good idea of what it means to be an online coach if you're treating each athlete as an individual, understanding that they have different needs, uh, take-home points that I think he really hit on is it's important to build a network because sometimes it isn't a good fit for you. It's vitally important to progress your knowledge to share because you never know what's going to come back to you. Menachem, I want to thank you for talking to Moving to Live and explain your ideas of what makes a good endurance coach. And I think many of the ideas can translate across to working with individuals either in the coaching realm or in the office setting. Thank you for having me, Ben. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both underscore MOV number two LIV. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving. Moving.